This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, March 28, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Today at the High Court, day three of oral arguments over the president's health care law, specifically to what extent can the federal government compel state behavior by threatening to withhold funds for Medicaid? Tim Sandifer is principal attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation and co-author of one Cato Institute brief filed in the Obamacare case. We spoke earlier today. Today, the issue before the court was whether Obamacare's expansion of Medicaid is constitutional uh, under the spending clause of the Constitution, which allows Congress to spend money by giving states grants, but then attaching strings to those grants and telling the states, if you want this money, you have to do what we say. And what limits exist on, on that power that the government has now? We really don't know. There's really only two cases that talk about it. There's the Butler case from 1936, which being so old doesn't really get much attention. And then there's the Dole case in 1987, which said that although the federal government can place conditions on the grants of federal funding, if it goes too far, it would count as coercion and it would interfere with state autonomy and therefore violate the federalist system. Okay. So in order, it seems, for the court to say that there's any limit at all on the government's uh, power to compel state behavior through uh, dangling money, they would actually have to establish some kind of limit here. That's right. They would have to come up with some rule. And I think the big challenge for opponents of Obamacare here is to explain why this goes too far in a way that doesn't open the door to further lawsuits down the road where states are going to challenge every other federal program and say, well, well, you just have to give us the money. You can't put strings on that money. And what Paul Clement argued today, he, he, he said it's basically the totality of the circumstances. You have to take everything into account and decide whether or not the state's acquiescence in these conditions is really voluntary or not. And he said, for example, the sheer size of this amount of money. I mean, what happens is if you don't, if the state doesn't comply with the new demands for Medicaid expansion in Obamacare, the state loses all of its Medicaid funding. And that is a tremendous amount of money. I believe the total amount was something like $3 trillion over 10 years. So the sheer amount of money is, another, is one of the aspects of it. The other thing, then he didn't emphasize this in the oral argument, but we pointed it out in our joint PLF Cato amicus brief, is that states actually can't get out of Medicaid. In order to do so, states would have to set up alternative ways of providing health care for the poor. But under the Federal Emergency Me uh, Medical Treatment Act, EMTALA, they're not allowed to train. It's a criminal offense to transfer somebody from one hospital to another for financial reasons. So if a state now chose to get out of Medicaid, it would have to set up some other means and it can't do so because if it tried to, that would violate federal law. But when you take that and all the other circumstances into account, this really isn't a voluntary program anymore. One aspect that I think was interesting that they emphasized is that this is basically like pointing a gun at the head of, of, a, of a person and saying, your money or your life. Is, isn't that what's really going on here with the states? And Chief Justice Roberts seemed particularly attracted to that argument. Uh, he said, for example, Arizona recently tried to resist some of the demands that the federal government imposed on it in, in exchange for Medicare dollars. And the Secretary of hum Health and Human Services came back with a letter and said, if you do this, we're going to withhold your Medicaid funding. And so he said, isn't that like saying your money or your life? And the sol Solicitor General pointed out, and this is true, that the original Medicaid statute in 1965 allows the Secretary to withhold all funding from Medicaid if the state doesn't comply. But it just hasn't 
his, the secretary has never done so in the past, and therefore we don't have to, anything to worry about. And Chief Justice Roberts immediately said, well, that's just like the robber saying, I've never had to shoot anybody. It's the threat that does it. The purpose of this uh, power is to force states to comply with whatever the federal government says ought to be the case. So I think there's, I think Chief Justice Roberts and certainly Justice Scalia and probably Justice Kennedy are very strongly attracted to this argument, and also Justice Alito, that, that what the federal government is doing here is compelling states to do something indirectly in a way that the Constitution doesn't allow the federal government to do directly. So well, well where do you draw that line then between uh, the federal government, between saying that this particular program or this particular exercise of power is too far, but many other exercises of power uh, are not. This, I think, is the weakest argument for the plaintiffs. It's the really, it's the biggest obstacle the plaintiffs face. Is they have to come up with some sort of test. And what, if you read the briefs, uh, the the plaintiffs say, look, we can't really draw that line very clearly. It's a fuzzy line. But this definitely goes too far. And like I said, there's only these past two cases: the the the. Uh, Butler case and the Dole case. And in Dole, what the Supreme Court said in Dole was, someday the demands the federal government makes in exchange for money might be too much, but this isn't it. Well, when you look at Dole, they were talking about 5 million bucks. It was 7% of the state's federal highway subsidies. That's it. So the amount just wasn't high enough to raise a concern. But then the court went on to say someday, if the amount is too much, that it might cross the line into coercion of the states. Well, when you start talking about Medicaid, which is something like 40% of a state's budget, you're talking about coercion. I mean, there's no question. And everybody knows that it's coercion. So really, the liberal justices, particularly Justice Breyer, their answer is to get rid of this coercion idea entirely and say that the political process will take care of this problem, That and, which is what they did back in a, in a 1980s case about the Tenth Amendment. They said, well, the Tenth Amendment can't be enforced by the courts. It'll be enforced by the political process. And the problem with that theory is that the Constitution is supposed to limit the political process, not the other way around. It's not supposed to be that whatever Congress thinks is a good idea is just automatically constitutional. But the, the liberal justices seem to want a political process federalism where whenever the federal government comes to the states and says, you, if you want this money. And by the way, this money we took from you to begin with, right? The federal government, the citizens have to send this money to Washington, D.C., whether they get it back or not. And then if you want to get it back, you have to comply with all these demands. That's just obviously coercion. It just has to be coercion, or they're going to get rid of the coercion doctrine and allow the federal government to do whatever it feels like. And speaking of allowing the federal government to do whatever it feels like, there was a uh, few moments there where uh, the government's attorney was asked repeatedly to uh, name what limits there are on uh, Kathleen Sebelius's that's discretion. Right. That's right. Because the, the Secretary of Health and Human Services retains the discretion to withhold federal funding from any state that is deemed to be out of compliance with the, the Medicaid requirements – then the federal government's argument is, well, we've always had this power. The states entered into Medicaid knowing that we could withhold this money from them. And what the, the states argue in response is, yeah, that maybe that was the case in 1965. But since then, the amounts have grown bigger, the demands have grown heavier, and now what's happening is when you combine it with the individual mandate, 
and with the requirement that states sign up more and more people to Medicaid, what you've got is a fundamental transformation, gradual, yes, gradual, but fundamental transformation of Medicaid into a system where the states are basically just departments of the federal government and no longer equal partners. And that violates the fundamental sovereignty of the states. And so they they were continually challenged Solicitor General Varelli, and he refused to answer the question over and over and over again. He kept saying, I'm not going to tell you what the limits on the secretary's discretion are because I don't want to tie the hands of a future administration. And this happened repeatedly until even Justice Kagan interrupted him at one point and said, doesn't the Administrative Procedure Act or some other federal statute at least limit what the secretary can do? And he refused to even concede that much. So I think that could possibly alienate some of the liberal justices and say – and really point out that what the Obama administration is arguing for here is a dramatic expansion of federal power that violates not just the rights of individuals, but the rights of the states. Tim Sandifer is principal attorney at the Pacific Legal Foundation and co-author of one of the briefs filed in the case challenging the president's health care law. You can read that brief and others at Cato.org.